You'll notice I'm wearing something a little bit different than I normally wear today. Uh, this weekend's a special weekend. Memorial Day is a special day and it's often misunderstood in America. Since it's a federal holiday for many people, Memorial Day means a long weekend. Many use that extra day to have fun with friends and family, from backyard barbecues and games to, to the opening of swimming pools and amusement parks, Memorial Day unofficially marks the beginning of summer. Many retailers use that day to advertise week, weekend-long events in the hopes that people will take that extra day off to go and spend money. But there's more to Memorial Day than all of that. Now, I don't want to use the time that I have up here to lecture anybody for their Memorial Day plans. I'm not saying that any of those things are bad. Time with friends and family is great no matter what day it is. I plan to eat some pretty good food off the grill tomorrow. I don't like to miss a, a good grill out. And if, any, and if we hadn't already bought a new washing machine a few weeks ago, we probably would be trying to take advantage of those sales this weekend as well. But Memorial Day has a much more solemn meaning to me. And I want to share with our family here why I think it could and should have a deeper meaning for you too. Memorial Day is a day to remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of our freedom. That remembrance should also remind us of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid for us on the cross. My prayer is that in the next few minutes, through my experiences and perspective, you will be able to clearly see how Memorial Day points us to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, without Jesus, I'm nothing but a sinner completely unable to bring your word to these people and, and my story and my experiences mean nothing without him so we thank you for Jesus we thank you for his willingness to to go to that cross on our behalf to pay for our sins God as we do go through this, this message uh, there's some, some hard information in here to deal with and so I just ask for strength and courage uh, to bring this story out. And I ask mostly that, that it wouldn't be your, my words, but it would be your words that through my, through my experiences, that I can use your words uh, to show everyone how we can use Memorial Day as a way to take the message of the gospel to people. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When Pastor Sean first talked about taking this weekend off, I was excited to take the opportunity, opportunity to fill in on this particular Sunday. Not so much because I desire to be up here, but because God has been kind of nudging me on this sermon for a while. Usually, I would have considered asking Sean if he would, if he would just allow me to continue in his schedule taking the next section of scripture to study and teach on, or I would take something that I'm studying uh, at seminary or, or that I'm doing in my own personal study uh, to bring up here. But this time is different. I believe God wants me to re relate a story to you guys that illustrates the message of the gospel. We live in a time when less than 30% of young Americans qualify to serve in our armed forces, and only about 1% of our population stands between us and our foes. With that civilian military gap getting wider, I think it's important for those of us that do serve to bring stories of heroism home to the American people. And as a Christian warrior, 
I think it is even more important that I share how God uses some of the worst experiences I've had in combat to strengthen my faith and to help me explain the message of the gospel in terms that people can clearly understand. Before I get into this story, I do want to tell you that I'm not likening any of the soldiers that I'm going to talk about to Christ. They were good men and great soldiers, but none of them was perfect, and they could never do for us what Jesus did. I do think the process of what went on that day can be used to paint a, a relatable picture of the message of the gospel, and it will hopefully embolden us all to use Memorial Day as an opportunity to point others to Jesus. May 19th, 2005, 13 years and about a week and a day ago, it was a beautiful morning, the sun was shining and the temperatures were tolerable in the area of Northern Babel that my battalion was responsible for. My section was tasked with tra transporting the chaplain from our battalion headquarters in Mamadiya to forward operating bases in Lutafia and Yusufia so that he could provide services for our soldiers in those locations. It was, a, it was a familiar trip inside what was known as the Triangle of Death. That area had earned, earned that name for the attacks that happened there and because it was used as a staging area for attacks in Baghdad. Everything was going as planned. We had conducted our mission brief, our pre-execution checks, and we headed out on our way. We went straight south to Lutafia first. No issues. The chaplain who was actually covering down for our chaplain who was on, on his mid-tour leave, he'd come to us from another unit, uh, spent time ministering to soldiers there while my guys and I rested and prepared for the next stretch of travel. When you do these missions and you, and you escort people around, you're so focused on what's going on around you that, that when you get to a stopping point, it's good just to rest before you take off on that next, next stretch. Then it was off to Yusufia. The infantry company that was, based at that, that was at that base had experienced loss in the last few weeks due to combat wounded that were being evacuated back to the States, and they had one killed in action from a fierce firefight. Again, my team took the opportunity to connect with some friends that we had there and to prepare for the final section of this trip. Some of us actually had to kick out on a, on a dismounted operation later that evening that was going to last about three days, so we needed some rest. All of our lives changed on the next stretch of the trip that could have been the easiest and that normally was the easiest stretch of that trip. Once we cleared the populated area of Yusufia, it was a, an easy drive, a quick drive on a canal road until we hit the main road that ran from Baghdad south and it took us right down into Mamadiya. What was usually a pretty simple route is where this story truly starts. As we headed east, the third of my four trucks stopped and reported a possible improvised explosive device, or IED. It always kind of caused a sick feeling to know that you just drove right past that. I was in the lead truck and actually myself and my second vehicle had both gone by that roadside bomb. And it just kind of made you feel sick to your stomach to know that that, that could have been your time. We stopped our patrol, did what we'd, we'd been trained to do, he got a good report up to me, and then I sent my report up to the battalion headquarters, and I asked for the Explosive Ordnance Disposal Team, or EOD, I asked for their support. That's the first key point that will bring us to the message of the gospel. We were in a vulnerable situation and dealing with something that we did not have the ability to fight on our own. My friend and fellow Section Sergeant James Dyer, a big dude from Tennessee, 
and his half of the platoon were escorting the EOD team that day. EOD had collected enough ordnance that they needed to get rid of it. There was a safe area in the middle of nowhere that we used for that purpose. Since we had a good relationship with the EOD team, they often provided us demolition training while they were doing their thing. We oftentimes we had a little bit of fun with them and we would do some different breach operations and things that we didn't typically get to do, but because they had the stuff to do it, uh, they gave us that opportunity. My call for help that day prompted a change in JD's mission. He put together a route that would get him to me as quickly as possible. While we were not in any imminent danger, it is usually not a good idea to sit in a spot that the enemy has already rigged to blow for too long. A lot of times what can happen if you stay too long is they'll, they'll come up with a coordinated attack that they'll start with the blast of the bomb and, and then get you with, with other, other weapon systems. JD knew that and he wanted to get to us as quickly as he could so we could all get out of that area. I could only hear one side of the radio traffic, but I knew something bad had happened. Our headquarters was reading back the report that JD's section had sent to them. It was a medical evacuation report, and there were three seriously wounded. All four of my trucks could hear what was going on on the radio. As we listened, we tightened up our own security, knowing that because they were hung up where they were at, we were going to be where we were at for a while. After, after what seemed like forever, one of our other units from the battalion arrived with the EOD team that JD and his guys were bringing to us. I met briefly with the technician uh, to tell him what we had, and he told me that it didn't look good down there. He said Ryan Miller, who was the gunner on the truck, was trapped inside the turret for a while, and the truck had been blown upside down. He said that JD and Wyatt Eisenhower, who was the driver, were both ejected from the truck by the blast, even though they were wearing their safety belts. He wasn't sure how bad J.D. and Ryan were, but he said Eisenhower was probably not going to make it. Once he blew our IED, we all moved back to the headquarters. Like always, my guys took the trucks to the maintenance bay to look them over and to get them ready for the next mission. My first sergeant met me at the entry control point, which was not normal, and he said, we need to talk. I was still a smoker back then, so I, I said to him, Roger, first sergeant, and I lit up a cigarette and we started to walk toward the operations center for my back brief. On the, way to the, on the way to the operations center, First Sergeant told me that Wyatt had died and that JD and Ryan were going to be evacuated back to the States. The battalion commander wanted to go to the combat surgical hospital in Baghdad to see him and my section was the only asset available to take him that day. We still had to go out on our dismounted mission that night so it was gonna be a long day. I went to the operations center, back briefed the intelligence officer on my, my mission that I had just completed, and I got his briefing for the next two missions that I had. And then I headed down to talk to my team. I called everybody over to my truck, told them about Eisenhower and our two follow-on missions, told them to take a few minutes to do what they needed to do, and then started getting ready. We took the commander up to see JD and Ryan, did our three-day mission, and then we came back and we had a memorial service for Eisenhower. Life and operations just moved on. That story is why Memorial Day is so important to me personally. So what does that have to do with my faith, and how do I make the connection from this story to the gospel? 
Some of these points are very close parallels, and some of them are pretty loose, but I think you'll, you'll see some resemblance, and I think you'll understand how I can draw the gospel out of this story. Remember my first point that I called for help. I called for EOD support because I did not have the training or the resources necessary to safely detonate that bomb myself. I had a life-threatening problem that I could not fix. Sound familiar? Paul reminds us in the third chapter of Romans that no one is righteous. No, not one. He took those words from Psalms 14.3 and 53.3. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 7.20, For there is not a just man on earth who does, not, who does good and does not sin. Isaiah also noted in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Our sin puts us in a life-threatening place that we do not have the ability to get out of ourselves. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, and Hebrews 9.27 says that it is appointed for men to die once. Now, I'm not saying that my sins or any of my soldiers' sins put that bomb on the road. Our enemy did that, much like the enemy tempted Eve in the, gar in the garden, leading to Adam allowing sin to enter into the world. From the moment Adam sinned, all who followed him, but one, had sin in them. Everyone is in a spiritual life-threatening position, much like we were in a potentially physical life-threatening position next to the canal that day. The army gave me a way to get out of that potentially life-threatening situation. They trained and equipped a very few soldiers to know how to deal with bombs. When I called, they came to defeat the enemy. They came to defeat what the enemy had set, set up to kill me. Again, does that sound familiar? Take a look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Everyone has heard John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In my situation in Iraq 13 years ago, the army followed God's lead, and they made a way for me to live and to not be stuck in that situation forever. Now that situation did not demand death. The trigger man wasn't present or it, he didn't like the way that my patrol looked and decided not to attack us for whatever reason. For whatever reason, that bomb did not go off that day. So the situation did not demand death, but death happened when the people that were coming to help me were attacked in the very same way that my section could have been. So it's not an identical story, but you can see the similarities and understand how this story can be used to point others to Christ, right? My section was stuck in a losing situation. We called for help to the only person in our area that had been trained and equipped to defeat that particular threat. There was one man in our entire area. That one soldier defeated the threat, allowing us to return to our base. It's also important for, us to, for me to note that after we called for help, there was nothing else that we could do. We could just sit there and wait. EOD did it for us. The same thing goes for Jesus defeating sin and death. Titus 3, verses 4 and 5 says, 
But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I think that's a sticking point for many people who resist the gospel. We naturally want to be able to, to do things ourselves, to save ourselves, especially alphas. I'm an alpha personality. I want to be able to save myself. I want to be able to do it for myself. Some people in Iraq got tired of waiting for the EOD team to show up. Sometimes it took a long time. If, if you were in a big area, a widespread area like we were, there were towns scattered throughout, but it was a whole lot of farmland and a lot of canal roads. And so sometimes it took hours for EOD to show up. There was a short-term trend of shooting at the bombs with small arms or with machine guns to try to get them to blow up so that you could bypass the need for EOD assistance. Sometimes it worked, but usually it made things worse. Instead of blowing the bomb, it usually made them less stable, and then you had to deal with a very not happy EOD tech who's got to deal with a less stable bomb than what he had to deal with before. If it did blow, in order to get a good sight and in order to be able to hit the target, soldiers were moving too close to the bomb they were too close to the explosion, and they were wounded or killed by the shrapnel. So they actually defeated their own purpose. Have you ever experienced that in your spiritual life? You don't see or feel God working fast enough for you. He's not working on your timeline to fix something. So you try to fix it yourself only to cause more damage, more pain, and more suffering to you and the people around you. That trend stopped fairly rapidly because commanders realized what was happening. They realized that, that people were being hurt and killed basically for being stupid. If we recognize that same thing happening in our spiritual lives, we need to outlaw it just like commanders outlawed shooting at bombs overseas. We need to allow God to be God instead of trying to do it for him. The last part of my story of that day is pretty hard to admit. Remember how I said that life and operations moved on? That was only partially true. You see, I was given the freedom to maneuver when EOD blew that bomb up that day. I moved on with life, and, and I continued to lead my men uh, for the rest of that tour, and we came home. Most of them left the Army. Some stayed on active duty. Some joined the National Guard like I did, or they joined the Reserves. A lot of us still follow each other on social media. We've got families, we've got jobs, and we've got lives outside of the triangle of death. In October 2006, I came face to face with the truth that I was still sitting on that canal road. I would not accept that my freedom from that IED came at a cost and that that cost was my friend Wyatt's life. I refused to accept what happened that day, and so I was still stuck on that road. Yeah, I was back here in Iowa. I was beginning a career in law enforcement. I was actually down at the Law Enforcement Academy, but I was still in Mamudia. I was angry at the enemy, and I was angry at God. It wasn't fair. 
Why did this young man with so much potential have to die on the way to help his friends? Here's where I have to be pretty careful not to draw too close of a line between Eisenhower and Jesus. You see, J.D., Ryan, and Eisenhower, they had no idea what was coming that day. They were doing exactly what my section and I were doing. We were all just going about our business, trying to gain and maintain security in an unstable place until it was our turn to go home. The overall mission, you kind of tend to lose focus of the overall mission of what was going on in Iraq. When you get there, it's really just about you and your soldiers coming home, you and your friends coming home. It had only been a few days earlier when I was escorting the battalion commander and we crossed the very same bridge that Eisenhower was killed on. If they had known that that IED was there that day, they would have either had the, the EOD tech that was with them detonate it and then cross, or they would have taken a different way. But they were willing to risk themselves when I called for help. It wasn't fair that it happened, and we can either accept that or we can stay stuck on that canal road. The unfairness of the gospel is what stuck is another place that I stuck for a long time. It is not fair that the one and only Son of God, who Isaiah 53, 9 says, had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, and in whom Pilate could find no guilt, had to pay the price he paid because of my sin. I wasn't there the day that Jesus was savagely beaten, humiliated, and tormented before being hung on a tree, but it was my sin that put him there, and he went willingly because he loves me. Again, I want to make very clear the distinction here. If our guys had known that they, would have, that they could have avoided that bomb, they would have. Jesus, on the other hand, who John chapter 1 tells us was there in the beginning with God, and that he was God, and then he became flesh, he faced his death with this prayer. Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knew there was no alternate path. He knew there was no EOD team. He knew that he was the only answer for sin, and so he died on that tree. Praise God, he died on that tree, and he, he rose from the grave three days later, according to the scriptures, conquering sin and death on our behalf. Just like I had to accept the events of May 19, 2005 in order to get free from that IED, we have to accept what Jesus did on the cross to be free from death, the death sentence that our, that our sin holds us in. John tells us in chapter 1 and verse 12 and 13, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John also gave us these words straight from Jesus in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. So now it's application time. If you've never seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, I'll try to adequately explain the final scene for you so you can understand the context. The movie starts and ends with an old man.
who you later learn is Private James Ryan, and his family in the American Military Cemetery in Normandy. He struggles a bit when he arrives at the cross where Captain John Miller, the leader of the team that found him and removed him from the battlefields, was buried. Before his wife joins him at the cross, James says that he hopes that, at least in Captain Miller's eyes, he earned what they did for him that day. In the final battle scene, right before he died, Captain Miller says to Private Ryan, earn this. If you watch the movie straight through, it's a very emotional experience to see the final cemetery scene because you can understand James's desire to live up to the captain's charge. When I first thought of how to use that scene as a sermon illustration, because it's got to be used, it's a great scene, I thought I would, would show how we can't earn salvation, which is what it seemed like captain, the captain was telling Private Ryan to do. As I thought about it more, though, I realized that Captain Miller died right after he said that. He knew that Private Ryan couldn't earn what his team had done because it was already done and Ryan had done nothing for it. What he, wanted for, what he wanted was for Private Ryan to live his life knowing that men had traded their own lives for him. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John notes in 1 John 2, 6, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Our acceptance of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ results in changed lives. It has to. It doesn't make us perfect. I'm still not perfect. Nobody in this room is perfect. But the presence of the Holy Spirit in us will cause us to desire to walk just as Christ walked. I think Captain Miller was presenting Private Ryan with a similar challenge. And I want to challenge you in the same way. First and most importantly, allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Desire obedience and service to the one who saved you from sin and death. Not because you can earn your salvation or add to your salvation, but because you want to honor Jesus for what he did. Second, on this particular weekend, consider those who have fought and died for your freedom. This weekend is not about guys like me. This weekend is not about men and women who still wear the uniform. This weekend is about those that have come, fought, and died wearing the uniform. As you live your life in a way that honors and glorifies Jesus, also try to honor those men and women for their service and for their sacrifice. As we close, I wanna read a letter written a long time ago this letter was also presented in, in the movie Saving Private Ryan. It was a letter written to Mrs. Bixby in, in Boston. And the letter reads, Dear Madam, I have been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must any word of mine must be any word of mine which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering you this consolation that may be found in the thanks of a republic they died to save. 
I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost, and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully, Abraham Lincoln. Let's pray. God, thank you for the brave men and women that have come before us, for the brave men and women that continue to serve. We know that even in, in recent days, we have lost some of those brave young warriors. So I thank you for their willingness, God, to serve. I thank you for their willingness to stand in that gap between us and our foes. God, I thank you that just like Dwayne said, that because of the, the sacrifices that those people have made, we're able to come here and learn and, and talk and teach and pray and not have our government coming in telling us to stop. Father, today of all days, I thank you most of all that, that Memorial Day truly can be a way for us to focus our eyes on Jesus and to focus our eyes on the message of the gospel and what Jesus did for us. God, I thank you that, that you've given me peace with what happened 13 years ago, and I thank you that you've, you've, you gave me a story that can at least be loosely drawn to parallel what Jesus did so that I can help people understand what he did for me and what he did for them. God, as we go from this place, I just, I just ask that you would remind us today and tomorrow of what this weekend is all about. Help us to spend some time honoring those men and women. And then give us a good weekend and a good day tomorrow with friends and family, enjoying each other because we can. And mostly, God, I just ask that, that as we do go out into end of the week, that you would use us to take the message of the gospel to people in all of the communities that we live in, in our workplaces, in our schoolhouses, and that you would use us to win others to Christ. I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.